Today we're doing another one of our questions about faith that we received uh, uh, late in the spring. And this one uh, came from uh, uh, two people. And the question was, we read in the Bible about God speaking to people, right? We hear these messages. We hear people who say, yes, I hear God speak. And the question was, is God really still speaking? And how do we hear God? Uh, and so I picked a text that I think is really uh, kind of interesting because it's about God speaking in multiple ways and leading people to do what they faithfully were uh, called to do. We're going to be reading from the Acts of the Apostles today. And let me just tell you a little bit about, uh, about this. The author who wrote Luke most assuredly also wrote Acts. And so uh, Luke was written as a story of Jesus' life ministry, death, and resurrection, and Acts is the story of the new church that's being formed. It is that moment when Jesus is gone and his disciples and then others start spreading that message and starting churches all around the known world during that time period. And so Luke tells the story of Jesus, Acts tells the story uh, of spreading the gospel. Now, who was spreading the gospel during that time period? It was the disciples. Right? It was the disciples, except for uh, Judas. They had ele uh, elected a couple of new ones, and they were going out spreading the gospel. They went to cities all around the Mediterranean and just continued to tell the story of who Jesus was. Uh, they had the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of them were, uh, were doing uh, miracles. They were healing people. Uh, and it was a huge time in the early church because it was just blossoming significantly. But it was still getting some backlash. It was still getting some folks who were very nervous about what was going on. Now, the first story that we're going to talk about today comes from uh, a, a moment in the church in Jerusalem. So this is the, the holy of holies for the Jewish people, this holy place. And Christians were being uh, formed there on a regular basis. So you can imagine there's going to be a little bit of a clash the disciples would go into these places where there were house churches or a number of house churches, and they would pick some men. Yes, they were all men in the earliest days of the early church. It was not really until Paul uh, when they began spreading uh, uh, and allowing women to be part of the ministry. There were women who supported Jesus and supported the disciples, but they weren't considered apostles or disciples during that time period. We know many of them were disciples. But So um, in Jerusalem, there were several disciples who were spreading and teaching about Jesus, and they picked seven men who were wise who were noble, uh, who had great passion about Jesus' story to become sort of the next phase of their leaders, the next people uh, who were going to help spread the church and lead the church uh, there in, uh, in Jerusalem. And so this is sort of where we find ourselves. We're in the sixth chapter. Uh, and in the sixth chapter, we're talking about a couple of things. There are seven, as I said, who were chosen to serve. And that seven number should remind you of something. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. Uh, but these people who were picked was Phil, uh, Stephen, Philip, uh, Proterus, Nicodor, uh, excuse me, Nicodor, uh, Timon, uh, Parmenius, Nicholas, uh, and uh, that was about it, these seven guys. And they stand before the disciples who are there, and they kneel down, and the disciples lay hands on them. And when they lay hands on them, they transfer the power and the spirit of God so that they could do miracles as well. 
and Stephen is one of them. And so the story that we're going to be reading about today is Stephen's first witness, Stephen's first act as a new disciple that we have any record of. So we'll be reading uh, 6 chapter, verses 8 through 15. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and others of those from Sicilia and Asia stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Then they secretly instigated some men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. Then they suddenly confronted him, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who testified, This man never stopped saying things against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs of Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, and they saw that his face was like that of an angel. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, bless the reading and the hearing of this, your holy word. But especially, O oh God, bless its doing. Amen. Jesus' ministry was a short period of time. It was only about three years. And in that time period, he literally touched the lives, the hearts, the minds of tens of thousands of people. People who came to the mount and to the plain to hear him preach. People on the seashores who came as fishermen and people who lived off the sea. People in the agrarian areas where Jesus would come and talk with them. People in the cities. He spread his word by word and deed. He not only talked about what his faith was, how God was redeeming the world in a brand new way, they continue, you know, he talked about all of the ways that God would be present with them. And when Jesus leaves, he leaves a plan behind, right? And so he has taught all these people to do things, and Stephen is one of the recipients through to the disciples. There's an interesting thing about numerology in the Bible. What does seven represent? Anybody know? Huh? Perfection. That's right. Seven is the word of perfection. That's what it represents. And so when God created the earth in seven days, six of work and one of rest, that is the perfection of the earth. That is the completion of the earth. Uh, when uh, Jesus tells his disciples, they ask, how many times should we uh, forgive somebody? Jesus says 70 times seven. So it's not just that seven times that's perfect forgiveness. It's 70 times beyond that. So when somebody uses the number, like seven, it means something. Just as 40 means a whole long time, right? 40 days and nights, 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, and as 12 means, uh, uh, that's all he could find that day, right? Just 12 disciples. No, it has a little more meaning than that, all right? So these words, these numbers tell us something. And what happens when seven people are ordained, it means that they have created the perfect number to go out and do the ministry in Jerusalem. Stephen's the first one that we hear about. The other disciples, these other apostles, these folks who have been chosen, they're going to go out and teach. They're going to go out and heal. They're going to go out and do the things that God has set them up to do. 
Stephen begins by preaching the same lessons that Jesus told. And so what did he talk about? He talked about hope. He talked about love. He talked about that he came not to fulfill the law of Moses, but to bring a new law, a law of grace and love and hope, of forgiveness and redemption. He also talked about his own life and death situation. And he said it will be like the temple would be crashed down and could be rebuilt in three days. He is using his own body, his own temple, as an example of how he would come back in three days. What the Pharisees, what the Jews hear is this. You're going to destroy. All the Christians are going to come. They're going to destroy the temple. This is the main temple in Jerusalem. That was blasphemy to say that the temple could be destroyed. It was also blasphemy for them to say that there was no, no sort of need to follow the old laws. And so they testified against Stephen. And he begins to do this amazing speech that enters into the next couple of chapters, talking about the power of God and the work of Jesus. And in the end, they ask him to renounce that faith, and he says, no. And if you know the rest of the story, you know that Stephen was stoned to death for his faith. He's the first Christian martyr in all of history the first Christian martyr to lose their life because they would not renounce the teachings of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful story, and it's a powerful example of people hearing things but not necessarily knowing what they mean or figuring out their own meaning to it. I want to tell you something that happened a couple of months ago. I was doing some traveling, and I was sitting in the airport. I was in the gate area. The plane had been delayed a little bit. Uh, and I put in my wireless headphones, right? So I'm not hooked up to anything. I got wireless headphones. They're hooked up uh, by Bluetooth to my phone. And I I put them in, and for some reason, I was hearing something that was not coming through my phone, and I thought, well, this is odd. So I turned off my Wi-Fi and turned it back, or my Bluetooth and turned it back on. And evidently, I don't know how it happened, somebody didn't have a code on their Bluetooth, I connected to somebody else's phone's Bluetooth. And I was sitting there, and it, it sort of sounded for a minute like there was somebody crying, and there was a part of me that went, hang up right now. And there was another part of it that was like, I wonder what's wrong. And so I listened, and the crying got more intense. It got into the fact that it was kind of sobs. And I could tell that the, the person, when they, when they spoke, it was a female. She sounded a little young-ish. It was hard for me to, to determine what age group she might be. Uh, and the, this voice came on at that moment. And this woman who seemed older, you can sort of hear the the age crackling in her voice. She says, listen. And the girl is still sobbing. And this woman again said, listen, I'm an old lady. I'm your grandma. I know this is going to be okay. And I listened because she said, listen. And I'm like, I just got told by God to hear this conversation. I ain't hanging up. 
I gotta find out what happens, right? And so this woman, she's still crying. She's still sort of having a problem. And she's like, I just don't know how things are gonna turn out. I just, I, I'm kind of scared. I don't know if he's gonna follow me. I have no idea what's going on. I just, you know, I've gotta get away from him. I've gotta get away from him. I'm so grateful that you gave me this plane ticket. And the, the uh, nanny, that's what she called her. Uh, and that sparked my interest because my grandmother was also called nanny. And so nanny begins to speak to her. And she says, you are a beautiful child of God. You do not deserve to be in a relationship where you are not valued and special. And the daughter begins to, the granddaughter begins to say, but, you know, I just don't know what to do. And her grandmother again goes, listen, listen to me. You deserve more. You are a beloved member of my family. You are a beloved child of God. You deserve the best relationship you can possibly have. And the granddaughter is sobbing a little bit more. And all of a sudden, I hear the sobs a little more loudly over my right shoulder. And I'm like, do I look? Do I not look? Do I look? Do I not look? I'm listening to their conversation. I might as well sort of turn and see what's going on. And she is still weeping. And the grandmother again says, listen, it's going to be okay. If it's not okay right now, God's not done working on it. God's not done working on you. It will be okay. You're about to get on the plane. I will meet you at the airport and welcome you with open arms, and you can stay as long as you need. About that time, they hung up. So I disconnected from their Wi-Fi, from their Bluetooth. And I sat there for a minute going, I don't know what to do. This woman is still sort of sobbing over there. So I got up, took my bags, because you can't leave them, because then they'll think you're a terrorist. Um, so I take my bags, I walk over to a water fountain, I have a drink, and then I come back, and I don't go to the same seat. I walk over sort of through her aisle, and she's sort of crying. And whenever I travel, I always take a pack of uh, Kleenex, because when you tell people you're a pastor, the things you hear. Um, and so uh, I handed her a Kleenex and said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm, uh, uh, I, yeah, I'll be okay. She's just choking up. And I said, is the seat next to you taken? And she said, no. And I sat down, and I didn't say a word. I just sat there. And she didn't say a word. They called my uh, group to go up, and I said, I'll see you on the plane. And I walked on. I got in my seat always, window side on the right side. That's where I sit. That's my seat right there. And um, she's on the aisle, on the other side of the aisle, but she's on the aisle right there. Same row. And I sort of lean over and look at her, and she leans over and looks at me, and she goes, it's going to get okay. And she fell asleep. She drifted off. Well, I got up to go to the restroom at one point, and she had the most peaceful look on her face. And I had seen her in absolute agony, absolute agony, 15 minutes before that. Now, what happened in that moment is something that I cannot explain. I don't know how my Bluetooth connected to her, tooth, her Bluetooth. It shouldn't have done it, but it did. And in that moment, I heard an exchange of somebody speaking a powerful word of affirmation, calling for folks to listen. Listen! Listen to me. Listen. I've got a word for you. Listen. Her grandmother pleading for her to listen. 
And in that same conversation, I was hearing the voice of God through that grandmother saying, listen, you are mine. I love you. Listen. It's going to be okay. I will take care of you. And in those moments where we hear the voice of God, sometimes we are so deaf to it, we can't hear it. It's not often for me God saying in this still small voice in the back of my head, yes, Karen, you should buy a new car. <laughs> Your transmission's going out. Splurge. Do something good, right? That ain't God. That's me. <laughs> That's me. That's my ego. That's my stuff going on. We are called to be listeners in the world, to hear the hurt and the pain, to be available, to hear the witness of folks who have received grace, and then we are called to speak it into the world. We are called to look for moments of grace, and we are called to use our hands to help others through difficult times. All I did was hand her a couple of Kleenex and gave her a thumbs up. That was it. But she heard the voice of God. She heard that voice that was powerful enough to pierce through the pain and the emotion for her to feel there is hope. There is a moment of redemption. There is a possibility for me. And it changed her completely in that moment. She may still have had doubts. She may have gotten off that plane, went to the, uh, the luggage area uh, and, and saw her grandmother and just fall into a puddle of tears. She may have doubted her choices. She may have wondered if she should give him another chance. I don't know the rest of the story, but what I know is in that moment, God used the people in her life, her grandmother, to speak a word of hope and grace. I'm a part of two different denominations right now. I am an ordained UCC pastor, and I teach and preach at an ELCA congregation. And this last week, I was reminded that our two slogans that are a part of the, the wider church really say something profound. The UCC's motto is, God is still speaking. And the ELCA motto is God's work, our hands. And they sort of go hand in glove, right? That God is still speaking and telling us to do things. And sometimes that's a gentle nudge. Sometimes that's just a twinge in our mind that says, hey, Clint Doris, I think she's having a bad day. Sometimes that's seeing a mom struggling with two toddlers at the grocery store and just saying, hey, I'll watch them for a second. What do you need to get? Or, hey, you take care of them. What, what, do you, what item do you need off the shelf? Sometimes it's simply calling someone who you have missed for a few weeks in church and saying, is everything okay? Sometimes it's having a birthday party for a four-year-old and asking for canned goods instead of presents so that you can be a gift to the rest of the community as well. Sometimes it, it, it's seeing something happening in the world or reading something that's hateful and just trying to speak a word of hope and love into it. You know, I, I see that we disagree completely. Can, can we acknowledge that we're both human and that we can love each other? And being the hands and the mouth and the ears and the eyes of God, because we are God's beloved people, when we do that, we can change the world in small and big ways. 
That grandmother, when she said what she needed to say, listen. Listen. She was catching the attention of someone she loved deeply so that she could help propel them to get on that plane. That is what we're called to do. We're called to be the hands, the feet, the mouth, the eyes, the ears of God in the world, to hear the hurt and the pain and try to be present, to, to be with someone and to simply hold their hand because that's all you can do in the midst of life and death and illness and pain and racism and homophobia and all of the stuff that is out there. We're called not to change all of it. We're called to change the little pieces we can to live into the places where God needs us to be God's hands and eyes and ears and mouth. I challenge all of us, including myself, to listen, to pay attention, to be aware of those situations around us where hope and love and grace is so much needed to offer that to others to be that voice of reason or just a voice of, are you okay? There are moments like that that happen all around us. That is God speaking to us and through us. Whether you feel a huge nudge on your back that knocks you off your feet or a gentle thought in the back of your head or just a twinge that says, ah, I think I should call them. I believe to the core of my being that that is God using us in the ways that others need. May we, in the next weeks and months, as we continue to figure out who we are together, be as grace-filled and hopeful as we can possibly be. And as we walk around the world, as we walk in places that are in need of our care and grace, may we be willing to step out in faith, to step out in hope and grace, because God is still speaking, and God's work needs our hands our mouths, our eyes, and our ears. Amen.